Heidi. We just thank God. Amen. I do feel like there's an assignment today, and it's just a blessing to get together and, and um, speak over the family. Um, I, I, I will say this much. In times like we're in, in times where there's so many opinions and there's so many perspectives and there's so many ideologies of what's happening and why it's happening, it's so imperative that we get a clear-cut word from God. Amen. There, there is a means for which we are to view the things. Uh, there is a means by which we are to view the things that are, that are happening. And in atmospheres like this, what the enemy wants to do is release a cloud of confusion. He wants to use atmospheres like this where anger is patronized, amen, and fear is fortified. And justified to release clouds of confusion to get us to mix things that should not be mixed. And to get us to downgrade truths that never change. Amen. His truth and his mercy endure and are everlasting. See, it doesn't matter how times change. There's certain things that don't change. And that one thing that never changes is now the truth of the word of God. It endures. And sometimes we allow times to tell us about truth. And truth is supposed to call time back into order. Not time telling us what's true and what's not anymore. And so we got to get back to understanding in spite of the time, the time has to submit to truth. Amen. And so I, I want to deal with some things that I feel is necessary because I feel like what the enemy wants us to do is to to have a form of Christianity that does not confront men and women with truth. You can preach to me about me being blessed. You can preach to me about me being successful. You can preach to me about me being healed. You can preach to me about me um, having a promotion. But you cannot preach to me about eternity. You cannot preach to me about judgment. Amen. You, you, you can't do that. That's not it. And so what happens is... Nobody barks until we start talking about judgment in eternity. All the dogs stay in the doghouse. But as soon as you start talking about judgment in eternity, all the dogs want to come out and start barking. And the birds want to come out and start chirping. Why? Because there's satanic guard dogs to keep us confined to doing what we were never called to do if the main thing ain't included. See, we got to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. And so I'm going to deal with some things that will make sure we can clear up some of this confusion. For me, I never want to know how somebody sees it. I'll never ask somebody, how do you see it? I want to know, are you a seer? If you're not a seer, I really don't. I don't even want you to ask me how I see it. I need you to ask me, have I seen anything? Amen. And so, so. I don't really value my opinion too much. Glory be to God. Because at the end of the day, it won't change truth. Amen. Let God be the truth. And every man a liar. Um, I want to start here. And I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. 
uh, and, I, and I want to start here because I want to kind of lay some groundwork of where I want to take you all today. Um, I, don't, I don't have this message entitled so much as I just kind of want to work a few places, deal with some principles that I believe we need to understand in this time to be stabilized. I believe, I, I preached a message in Darlington a few weeks ago, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? I believe that we're in a climate that's after our foundation. Amen. I believe that, that we're in a climate that's after our foundation. There's certain foundational things that we just need to make sure um, that we're standing on. Um, and so I'll deal with some foundational stuff if you all don't mind. And I pray that I can stay in the pocket and teach it and not so, so, so much go into what they call a preaching style. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, I'll read it. Um, this is the Lord's pronouncement of judgment over Satan, the serpent, for his role in the fall of Adam and Eve. He is now enunciating judgment over the serpent. And this is the dialogue that he uses to pronounce that judgment. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thy go, and dust shalt thy eat all the days of thy life. Now I'm about to read verse 15, but before I do, I need you to understand before I read it, it includes the prophecy. It is the first prophetic word about the coming of Christ, not only the coming of Christ, but the fulfillment of the work of Christ. This is the first time Christ's coming is prophesied in the Bible. Amen. He didn't wait to announce Christ when, when, uh, when Mary, the virgin, saw him. He had been announced, God had announced Christ from the beginning. He was the lamb slain before the foundations. Jesus knew he was going to have to die for the world before he created it. Amen. Amen. So this is the first prophecy, and it's so, so key that we understand this. It says here about the snake, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. It shall, the seed of the woman shall bruise. Everybody say bruise. Crush thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. Right? That's the initial prophetic word about Christ. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. And we just thank you for the word of God that's clear, direct, that flows, that is powerful with might and dominion. And look, God, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that it ministers to your people that which is necessary for this time and this day and this moment. We give you the glory, honor, and praise for a rhema word, a, an on-time word, a word spoken in season. And we bless you for it even now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, now watch this. I want you to notice something that the initial prophetic word concerning Jesus was actually describing, Brian, what Jesus was going to accomplish through the cross. That prophetic word was actually a description of what Jesus fulfilled when he hung on the cross and said it was finished. This is pointing to Mount Calvary. I need y'all to understand that. This is pointing to Mount Calvary. And when describing what Jesus did when he hung, bled, died, and rose, when describing the result of that work, 
He, God describes what Jesus will do by saying, it shall, he shall crush the head of the serpent. He shall bruise Satan's head. Now, that's, that first and foremost must be taken note of. We can't overlook that. Amen. But the second thing we need to take note of, and I'll jump into some implications from it, is we must take note of the identity out of which Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. Not only did he through Calvary bruise, crush the head of the serpent, but he did it out of an identity that's revealed in the New Testament by Paul in Colossians 1 verse 18. I want to read that real quick. It should come up to you. The Bible describes that when Jesus bruises or crushes the head of Satan on Calvary, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, right? Jesus crushed the head of the serpent by way of being the head of the church, Jesus, as head, crushes Satan's head. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Now, now, now we got to go to head. because, And now we got to understand that. The head is where thoughts are conceived. Please follow me. When, when Jesus is talking about now us crushing the head of the serpent, he's dealing with the ideas of the enemy. He's dealing with the thought process of the enemy. He's dealing with the ideas of the enemy. It's the head. Now watch this. Is the place in which ideas are birthed from within, which ultimately lead to actions carried out without. Everything we do out here started up here. If you clap your hands, you thought to do it first. If you take, glory be to God, if you jump in your car, you thought to do it first. Nothing out here happens without it first being initiated in the head. Would everybody agree with that? Everybody say the head. The head of the serpent seeks to be the head of the church. Now, I'm going to just tell you what he, the Bible says. He wanted to be worshipped like God. He sought for, 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 for the worship of God. He actually want the head of the serpent actually wants to be the head of the church. Now, see, Satan doesn't attack us with physical weapons. And that's why so many times so many people are defeated by him. Because he does not attack us with physical weapons. He attacks us with ideas. He'll give us an idea about life that if we now enter that's the means through which he attacks. See, without Christ being the head of the church, our outward actions will reflect Satan's inward ideas about life. The reason why so many people are, are being defeated and dying is because they're carrying out Satan's ideas about how they're supposed to live. Jesus came to deliver us from living out of Satan's ideas about life to the degree we come under his headship. His lordship is his headship. We have the mind of Christ. He delivers us from the ideas of the enemy by giving us, if you would, the thought structures of God. Amen? As long as we think outside of God, we'll always be subject and we'll always be vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. He has to crush the head. Right. 
Man, this got to be a headshot. Don't cut off the arm. No, go for the head. Don't cut off the legs. Go for the head. It has to be a headshot. Something has to shift in the way we function in thought. Amen? So, Satan opposes us through ideas. He, exp- he, he literally, he exposes us to his head. He exposes us to his view. He exposes us to his opinion. And to the measure we agree with his ideas, he exposes us to, to that degree he opposes us. He opposes us by getting agreement with us on what he exposed to us. Whatever thought it was. Paul put it this way, because a lot of people don't understand it, but he can't oppose us without our agreement now if you don't get nothing else I say the devil cannot stop you without your agreement the devil can't bind you without your agreement the devil can't stifle you without your agreement the devil can't tie you without your agreement the devil can't defeat you without your agreement the devil can't even make you have a bad day without your agreement he needs your agreement to oppose you Everybody following what I'm saying? And so 2 Timothy says it this way. 2 Timothy says it um, 2 and 5. Uh, it says, uh, uh, did I give you the right one? I want you to give in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves. Uh, and, and then let me make sure I got it because I, I know sometimes I throw the wrong scripture up there. But I need you all to see this and perhaps we might need to go. Yep, I gave you the wrong one. Um, somebody look up that scripture for me, if need to be. Y'all don't mind if I Google it. Second Timothy 2 and 25. Thank you, sir. Would you put up 2 Timothy 2 and 25? I knew it was, I knew it was somewhere up in there. Man, that's the blessing of the phone. You can Google nothing. And then act like you knew what, what I, I knew with that. Right? Second Timothy 2 and 25. Now watch this. It says, in meekness, in meekness, instructing those that oppose who? In meekness, instructing those that oppose who? I need y'all to catch that. Because he can only be our adversary if we oppose ourselves. He's as strong as an adversary as he has our agreement in us opposing us. So, see, this is what we got to understand. Can I borrow you? Yeah. Can I borrow you? So, so now we have me and my wife. Me and her have been married for 20 years, right? You know, God has blessed us. Amen. Beautiful, wonderful. Blessing. Um, 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 great purpose. Great time together. So forth and so on. We love each other. If the enemy wants to attack our marriage, what does he have to do? He has to now give us an idea about marriage and convince us to come into agreement with that idea about marriage that came from him. So what he'll do is he'll start throwing ideas out there and see if we'll catch one. Marriage is hard. 
Gabriel and Deja, please listen to this. They're giggling now. Right? So you'll know who not to speak into your marriage. Let me help you right now. Uh, there's going to be times where y'all ain't attracted to each other. There's going to be times where you don't want to talk to each other. There's going to be times where you don't want to see each other. Glory be to God. And now um, Satan will then look at me and you and say, would you agree? Uh, right, 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 right. And then usually because we don't understand how he works, what do we do? We'll agree. So you know what that's like doing? That's like turning over here and looking at ourselves and say, in years, y'all ain't going to like each other. Y'all ain't going to be attracted to each other. Y'all ain't going to want each other. There's going to be times where you want to leave each other. There's going to be times where you don't want to talk to each other. And then we'll turn back over here, and then we'll say, God, help us stay together. God, strengthen our marriage. And we don't even understand. We now ask God to do it and then turn around because we're still agreeing with the enemy and oppose our own self. And we wonder, how is the enemy attacking us? Why am I not attracted to her no more? Because he got your agreement. Why do I not want to talk to her all the time? Because he got your agreement. The agreement gave him the artillery from which he's attacking you right now. He can only oppose us to the degree we agree with him. So you better watch out whose ideas. You got to be careful of whose ideas that you are now carrying out as actions. Right? Every attack you, man, you, look here, you get saved, right? You get, I don't care if you saved or not. You're going you're gonna to get weak and you're going to sin sometimes. What you think about that idea? There's going to be times, it don't matter if you believe or not, there's going to be times you feel like quitting. What you think about that? He's waiting for us to say, you know what? You're right. Because what does that mean? Then I'm going to turn around and oppose myself. And I'm going to tell myself, it don't matter how much you save, sin is still going to be in your life. Now, whose idea was that? Have you ever asked some of the ideas we're told where they actually came from? Who told you that? Who told you, God, no, we, are, we got needs sometimes and we get weak and we just going to do what we're going to do. But he going to forgive us because he knows we get, man, he, he's sitting there looking at you and saying, look, they bit on that foolishness. So I'm going to attack them with weakness. I'm going to attack them with sin. And, 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 and then we're sitting saying, God, why don't you get them off of me? He said, because your own words are being used against you. See, he's a lawyer and the devil is the best lawyer you'll ever see. And what you say can and will be used against you when you're going through a conflict. Everything we're fighting, we agreed with. It is a war of ideas. Social media is constantly trying to flood us with ideas. News is constantly trying to flood us with ideas. Come on, glory be to God. Media is constantly trying to flood us with ideas that don't come from the Bible to bring us into agreement, then make us irrelevant to what God is doing in the earth right now. In meekness, instructing those that do what? Oppose themselves. If God would what? See, sometimes you just got to be patient with people. 
because you'll tell them they're free. You just don't understand what I've been through. You just don't understand. Everybody just can't be free like that. Who are you opposing? You just wasn't hurt like I was hurt. So I need somebody that had been hurt like I'm hurt so they can let me stay hurt for a little bit longer. Who are you opposing? In meekness, you got to be patient with people because they're not fighting you. They're fighting themselves. Can't nobody get free overnight. Leave me alone. Who are you opposing? Religion teaches us to act like that. A form that has no power. In meekness, instructing those that do what? When, you, when you're opposing yourself, you got to learn how to take instructions. When you don't know better than to oppose yourself, you need to learn, well, okay, I just need to listen. If God pre-adventure would do what? Give them what? What is repentance? Changing of the mind. If God would pre-adventure, give them repentance where they would stop now acting out, facilitating, and assisting the ideas of the very one that wants to destroy them. To the acknowledging of the truth. Oppose literally means to place oneself in opposition against themselves. Oppose literally means to place oneself, and I, I just don't feel like praying all the time. Whose idea was that? Because God's idea was pray without ceasing. So why would I oppose myself in the area of prayer by agreeing with the idea of the enemy? So there's times where I need to pray, and I don't feel like praying, and I'm asking God for strength, and God is saying he's only attacking you with what you agreed with him on. What you said has and can will be used. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, stop punching yourself. Listen to this. It's so, so key. Idols, now I want to deal with idolatry. False gods. When you deal with idols, I-D-O-L-S, not adultery, idolatry. Amen. I-D-O-L-A-T-R-Y. I hope I spelled that right. Right? Idolatry. We're dealing with the worship of false gods. When you deal with idolatry, our problem is we think idols are made out of, of wood. And we think idols are made out of metal. The Lord just did that in the Old Testament to teach us what the real idol is. Idols are made out of ideas. Ideas about life that does not come from the God who is life. Every time we take an idea and agree with it that did not come from God, an idol winds up coming out of the fire. I wonder if there's anybody that read the book of Exodus and how Aaron put an idol in the fire. And when it came out, he said it just came out of the fire. See, usually our idols come out of fires. When Oh, glory be to God. When we've been through something, we'll mess around and form ideas about relationships that God did not give us. Form ideas about how to handle people that God did not give us. Usually idols come out of the I just don't do people. See, God knows everybody can't do people. You got that idol out of the fire. You done been burnt by somebody. Somebody done betrayed you. Somebody done talked about 
about you. You trusted somebody with your private information and they threw you on front street and you done messed around and came out of that fire with an idol that says you just come to church and get the word but you ain't got to do people. That is not God's idea. enemy gives us ideas when he wants us to form an idol. The material of an idol is entertaining ideas that did not come from God. And the more we let them sit in our head, the more we begin to build a thought structure. It's hard to speak to somebody when you speak to them truth. They have to digest it through that thought structure. It's like, man, I'm telling you the right thing. Why ain't you ain't getting it? Because my thought structure, my, I know what you said, but my thought structure heard this. That's why the Bible says casting down a man. You got to learn thoughts you don't even entertain. There has to be times where stuff shoots up in your mind that you don't even let it sit there. You just take it off the shelf and throw it back down and say, I ain't even going to entertain that about my husband. I'm not going to entertain that about my wife. I'm not going to entertain that about my leader. I'm not going to entertain that about my brother. I will not even allow that to sit on the shelf. I'm going to cast down that imagination and that... Because I'm going to mess around and have an idol on my hands. You know the word idol actually translates image? I'm going to say that again. The word idol actually translates image. I need you to say like that in your spirit. The word idol actually translates image. To the measure we live out ideas of the serpent, to that measure we bear the image of the serpent. It, oh, glory. See, a lot of people think you make ideas with your hand, idols with your hands, but you actually become an idol with yourself. In other words, when I have ideas that come from him, I begin to then outwardly act like him, and I'm bearing the image of my enemy when I was, from the beginning, created to bear the image of God. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness but in order to do that man has to have my idea about who he is and the problem is he does not have the head glory be to God he hasn't surrendered to Christ and I can't crush that head until you surrender do you understand every idea that causes us to oppose ourselves has already been crushed? But until we submit to the crusher, yeah. until we submit to the head of the church, until, no, 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 no. Submit means I do what I don't understand. See, there has to come a point. If you're going to change your mind, you got to do it even though you don't understand. See the point of it? Understand why? Know the value? Because you need to change some thought structures and your current thought structure didn't think of it. So your current thought structure ain't God's going to reject it unless you say nevertheless since I heard the word I'm just going to do I'm just going to do it's hard to preach to a thought structure it's, the worst thing we can do is learn something about the Bible and then make a structure It's dangerous to have spirit. 
It's dangerous not to have spirit, but have knowledge. Right. Knowledge puffeth. You know what it puffs up? I already knew that. I know that scripture. I've already heard that teaching. Yeah, I got you. Now, I know. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Yeah, I got that scripture too. But ain't none of your steps good. <laughs> you, you, so your eye, I know you know it, but the way that you now process it keeps you from the promise of it. It's not knowing it, it's how you process it. There's a mind me and you must process it out of in order to receive the promise of it. It ain't just knowing it. Everybody can quote the scripture that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Everybody can quote the scripture that, 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 that the blood washes away sin. But that don't mean everybody going to come out of their sin because it's not knowing it. It's how you We're trying to get people to learn stuff that no matter how much of it they learn, if there's not a spirit to tear down a structure, if, glory be to God, you're going to have a worse headache on your hands because you keep on blowing up heads, but their heart hasn't. It gets worse the more you teach people who don't understand they got to change thought structures. Listen to me. Even from the beginning, can I just talk for a minute? Satan attacked Adam and Eve with an idea. Satan attacked Adam and Eve with an idea that caused them to bear a measure of his image. Genesis 3 and 4, the Bible says that the serpent says to Eve, I know God said that if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. But I'm telling you, you shall not surely The idea that Satan gave Eve to agree with. Now, he still had no power to attack Eve. He still had no power to strip Eve. There was nothing he could do until he got her to agree. He did not run on them with artillery. He did not ambush them. He did not come upon them and blindside them. The devil can't blindside you, and the devil can't blindside me. He can't just come and interrupt what God is doing. He has to give us something to agree with. I got to watch out for the devil. And, God, and the devil said, thank you for your agreement. You didn't have to watch out for me, but you do now. Amen. The idea that Satan gave Eve to agree with is God said you shall not surely die. She agreed. The idea caused Eve to form an idol out of that idea. The idol that Eve formed out of that idea, it was a false god. You know what that false god is? God doesn't really mean what he says. 
this is one of the biggest gods. The first God is still, people still don't believe God really means. I know he said not to sin, but God know everybody going to sin. I know he said you got to love your neighbor, but God knows some folk get on your nerves and you got to go off on them. I know God said if somebody hits you on the right cheek, turn your left cheek. Let them hit me on the right cheek. They going to get hit with a left hook. I know because God... Don't ask Apostle how he knows that. How'd you know that one? God don't really mean what he's... That's why we do the stuff we do. The last is still the first. Ain't God ain't going to send nobody to hell forever. He loves people too much. God don't really mean what he said. Can I take it there? God ain't going to send nobody to hell. Who gave you that idea? God does mean what he said. Listen to me. He's still duping us with the same idea. We actually don't believe God means what he says. I know God said to rejoice all the time. I know it. But he know we're going to have them times when we just sick and tired. He don't really. That ain't what he really means. And so what do we do? We disqualify ourselves from rejoicing in time. We, we wind up crying. Crying in times we could be laughing. Come on. Come on. We wind up crying and being depressed at times we could be crying and still be encouraged. Sometimes you might have to cry, but God said rejoice in all things. I mess around in the middle of my crying. I started laughing because God started to, I go, glory be to God. See, you don't know it unless you've done it. Amen. You go from one minute feeling like the world is going to crash in on you. Two minutes later, you're like, bless the Lord on my soul. And all that is within me. How did I go from this to that? This to that without a how. I kept God's idea about rejoicing. I didn't agree with the enemy in my time of affliction. Hallelujah. Now watch this. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. Now with that in mind, I want to deal with some things. I want to lay some groundwork. And I want to clear up some confusion about some of the current things we're facing and how we need to be looking at these things for which we're facing. Amen? 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. Look what he says. These things have, this is, no, let me, I do need to pre prerequisite this a little bit. I'm so sorry, y'all, I had y'all look and come back to me. But I need you to pre, this is the, the first epistle of John. John the Beloved. John the Beloved was also John the Revelator. He not only wrote a gospel, he wrote three epistles, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. Why? 
he was John the Beloved, so he's John the Revelator because it's our love that gets us to the place where he reveals himself. We never figure out God. He only reveals himself. If you know something you didn't know, it's not because you figured it out. We can't figure out God. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, the only way we get it is if he reveals it. And if you figured it out, then probably what you figured out really ain't it. There is no figuring God out. He has to show us who he is. And he does that based on intimacy. Amen. So John is writing his first epistle. He gets to the end. He lays out several purposes of why he actually wrote it. He lays out the audience for who he's speaking to. And that's what I want to highlight because I believe it clears up some confusion that religion has brought us into. And unknowingly, in our desire to be humble, we've come into agreement with our adversary who is opposing us based on that agreement out of the statement that I'm going to read here. This is the purpose for which he writes this letter. Listen to what he says. He says to them, and there's other purposes. There's so many of them. I don't have time to go over them all. I wish I did. I had them all written down, but I know that my time won't allow me to. 1 John 5 and 13 said, these things have I written unto you, right? Why? That you believe on the name of the Son of God. Big thing right here. Bombshell. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I write this unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Has it hit you yet? I write this unto you that you may know you. The apostle John wrote his first epistle for the purpose of the reader to be able to discern whether or not they were going to enter into God's eternal heavenly kingdom before they died. The point I'm trying to make to you is we're supposed to know whether or not we have eternal life long before we ever leave here. I know it sounds noble and I know it sounds good. Uh, uh, we're supposed to hope. Come on. It sounds like that's what we're supposed to do. I hope I make it in. Come on. We're supposed we're supposed to know we're going to make it in. I hope that when I get to him, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But we're already supposed to know whether I and not he's going to say well done my good and faithful servant I have written these things unto you that believe on the name of son of God that you may know now whether or not you have eternal life I hope when I take my last breath I make it in and we're actually thinking we're being noble when we're in agreement with our enemy he wants us to have a faith where God won't give us a guarantee Oh, the thief is getting caught today. A head is being crushed today. A new thought structure is being established today. We ain't supposed to live our lives wondering if the God we laid our life down for is going to accept us when we get. No, I wrote this, that if you learn what's up in here, you'll know whether or not you're going to go when you leave this place. That's the purpose of this letter. Amen. Amen. The entire idea that we just don't know. We can't say where anyone went, heaven or hell. Listen to me. In short, we can't have any perspective on eternal judgment is an idol. 
Y'all know that, right? That's an idol. That's an idea formed from the head of our serpent. This is an idea literally from the head of the serpent that men have come into agreement with, watch this, which has caused us to take on the image of our enemy in the area of eternal judgment. To embrace that idea is to, to some degree, worship another god. I posted a post on Facebook last week about individuals going to hell, and then I got posts from people, and some of them, in, they intended well, they loved me, um, some of them were, 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 were ferocious, whatever, they don't really know me, you know, whatever, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't blow that off as if, look, you get into that, it's like, you know what, you're just a soldier. No, you do it and see what happens. Don't just try to blow that stuff off, man. That stuff hits you. That, that stuff, you because you love people and you want people to know you love them. And you want them to know, I'm not saying this to try to get at nobody, not put anybody down. I ain't even really mad. All I know is I woke up this morning with this burning in my belly and God said, the burning won't stop until I, I, until I write what God told me to write. I looked my wife in the eyes and I said, baby, I'm about to get in trouble. And then, you know what I said? Can I be transparent? I said, my wife, I said, I don't want to do it. She said, don't you dare say that. You know who you are and be thankful for who you are. Be thankful for who you are. I ain't going to sit up there and tell you that I just jumped to it and I just said, bump it. I don't care. No, 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 no. I needed help. God, I thank God for help me. I needed help to carry that one out because I already knew what was going to happen. Amen. Amen. If we take on the image of the idea that we can't say who made it in and who didn't, we're handcuffed by a measure of bondage that strips us from boldness and authority to speak concerning eternal judgment. We do not bring men and women into salvation by saying, look, get saved and live the best you can and hope you make it in. That's not how people get saved. No, you get saved. When you walk like this, you're saved. When you, when you walk like this, you're going, into, you're going to enter heaven when you die. When you walk like this, you're going to enter hell before, when you die now. That's in the book now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, you, you know, you hear people walking around saying, you don't know if people made it in or not. You're lying. You don't know what personal relationship they had. I know you're lying. Because the Bible says it's written that you may know who has eternal life and who doesn't. No, I can look at you. Glory be to I can listen to you. I can watch while you live your life and know whether or not you're entering into turn. You know why that makes us uncomfortable? You know why that makes us squirm a little bit? Glory be to God. It makes us because we have so been bamboozled by an idea from the enemy that as long as we continue to hold on to it and we say can't nobody judge nobody, people are going to continue to die and fall under judgment. We can put wings on them at their obituary. It changes nothing. We can tell them they lived a good life. They loved people and touched people. They were funny. That means nothing. That, I wrote this that you might know. But we don't even feel, uh, we don't even feel confident enough to say it. 
Because we didn't even know that we supposed to know before we leave ourselves. Nobody told us that even though it's been in the scripture all this time. Why did I read that a thousand times and never understand it like that? Because the idol gave me a lens. You see the word based off how you've been taught the word. Everybody following what I'm saying? It's, it's literally the enemy's idea of how to run the church, right, in a way where the church loses its ability to be sought in light. See, some people, we get to the point where you know what we do? We'd be like, I don't know. Maybe they did make it in. I mean, look at all these folks that loved them. Look at all these folks they looked out for. Look at all these folks that enjoyed their company. Look at all these people that did, that, 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 that said all these nice things about them, right? I know, I know, it's just something in me just tell me they made it in. Well, I'm here to tell you if whatever told you they made it in don't look like 1 John, because that was what was written that we might know that we have eternal life. If whatever you came up with that, made, that got them to go in don't look like 1 John, then whatever you felt wasn't from him. Amen. And what do we need to do? We need to swallow that so we can sober up. See, we don't want to swallow that. We don't want to accept the fact that we knew people, we're intimate with people, we're close to people, actually love people that died. And one of the reasons why they did is because we never felt comfortable enough to call out the judgment that could have convicted them. And at least after a while, we knew what they were doing, but we never felt comfortable telling them because they looked out for us. When we're sick, they call us. They'll bring stuff to us. We never felt comfortable telling them, baby, after bringing me what you bring me after looking out for me like you do after doing all the things if you die right here and right now you will not make it into the kingdom of the living God and let me take you to the scripture that will help you understand that because you're walking around with a lie that says don't nobody know who's going to heaven or hell can't nobody say that you are lying You are lying. And you don't even know you lie. He wrote the book of 1 John so we would know. And we would know whether we are. People need to know whether they are or not. Even if you're not, it isn't that I'm going to treat you like an alien. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to laugh with you. I'm still going to spend time with you. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to tell you. You're going to know what's what. Because your blood ain't going to be on my hands. Some of the examples of that, and I'm about to close in a minute. Come on, everybody's still with me. I just want to clear up some confusion. First John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 gives an example of what I just said, that he wrote this so we could discern. He says here, 1 John 2, verse 3 and 4, And hereby 
we do know that we what? Everybody say know him. How do we know if we know him? I got my personal relationship with God. Well, you keeping his commandments. I know God because he was there for me when I was sick. That ain't the, that's, that's an idea that came from your enemy. That doesn't validate whether we know him or not. We almost died and he brought us from our sick bed. That doesn't validate whether we know him or not. He opened the door and gave me my own business. That doesn't validate whether we know him or not. I was broken, almost lost my house, and God came through with a money miracle. That doesn't validate whether we know him or not. Who gave you that idea? And hereby knew, do know that we know him if we do what? He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a what? And the truth is where? Period. Period, man. I know how you feel, period. I know you think you know him, but at the end of the day, you lying, period. I ain't mad at you. I hope you ain't mad at me. But you sitting there telling me you know him and you know you're living in sin, you lying, period. Period. Whoever gave you that idea, it came from a liar. Period. If we don't keep his commandments, we don't know him. If we don't know him, we don't have eternal life. Go to the next one. I know this is basic, but I got to read it. John 17, verse number three. Did I put that on there? He said, he that doesn't keep his commandments don't know him. Why is that so important? Because John 17 says, and this is life eternal, that they might what? Know, know thee, the only true and living God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, period. And if we didn't take enough time to know that, how can we be saved? It wasn't even important enough to even know. People are telling me I'm going too far. I'm telling them you ain't went far enough. This is an extreme matter for extreme measures with believers who are willing to do extreme things. We don't need no normal Christians. The balances are way too much on the confusion side. There are too many people confused. We need some extreme expressions of faith. One more example, and I'm going to close. How long have I been preaching? About 12 minutes? Listen, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 8 through 10 in the Amplified Version. These are some of the reasons why John wrote this book. That's why it's so important to pay attention to the purpose of a book. Sometimes we get, no, you need to know why he's writing that. Amen. We just read the book. Why? Amen. What's this? First John chapter three, verse eight and 10. He says this. This is one I put on social media. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference or rebellion is of the what? How are you going to tell me I'm of the devil? I didn't tell you that. I didn't say that. God said that. Why are you getting mad at a man who articulate what God said out of his mouth? Man didn't say that. God said that. Amen. 
and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. Remember, inner character and moral values from the devil, not God. What does that go back to? Ideas. Idols. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from what? The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Yes, Lord. To destroy the work. When we are sinning, we're working the works of the devil. And he appeared to destroy. My God, every time you caught up, come out of sin, guess what happened? Jesus destroyed the work of the devil. Every time you get delivered, guess what happened? Jesus destroyed. You remember when you came off of alcohol? Jesus destroyed the work of the devil. You remember when you stopped smoking? Jesus destroyed the work of the devil. You remember when you stopped sleeping around? Jesus destroyed the work of the devil. Come on, Peter, God. For this reason. God didn't work on me. No, no, no. He's. He was born for it. Don't ever think whatever bondage you may be facing that God can't handle. He was born. He was born to handle whatever bondage you in. He's born to handle whatever addiction you're in. My God, for that reason, he came into the world. Watch this. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who was born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born of God. He is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for Yahweh's purposes. Get this. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him. Glory be to God. By this, the children of... Now, the, now we're talking about saying that's of the devil that's of not. That's going to heaven. That's going to hell. That's sheep and that's goat. The thing that, 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 that the, Lord, the devil doesn't want us to believe we can do. Verse 10. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. You run around talking, you can't tell. You don't know why I got a personal relationship. Stop lying. I ain't even going to get mad at you about it. I'm just going to tell you you're lying. And then you're going to end up with cursing at me. But it really don't matter because your cursing don't change it. Your mad don't change it. Your anger don't change it. That's why when you put up truth and people attack it, you don't have to defend it. Because the truth going to stand whether you like it or not. When you're really speaking truth, you never get mad if people don't agree. Because it don't matter if you agree or not. Let God be there. It don't change it. Truth is going to stand whether you like it or not. I don't agree with that. So? What that mean? You might not agree with dying, but you're going to die. You might not agree with the law of gravity. Go jump off the top of the building. You got to agree with it. What that got to do with it? Truth is truth. Amen? That's why when the dog started barking when I put out what I put, they don't understand I'm going to put out something else. 
but I'm not going to put it out in response to what they're saying. I'm going to wait for God to speak to me again. There's no, I'm not just, I'm, if I speak in reaction, I come out of rest. And as long as I stay in rest, the work is already finished. In other words, I never did it to get your agreement. I did it to sound a trumpet. When I blew that trumpet, somebody heard that they needed to change their life. Somebody heard, I need to repent. Somebody heard, I need to turn this thing. Somebody heard, whoever needed to hear it. And no matter how many tomatoes you throw, we can wash them off. Amen. Anyone who does not practice righteousness who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose, is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. Amen? Those are just two examples of the very thing that people are being brought in confusion of right now. Eternal judgment, saying who can go and who can, so forth and so on. A personal relationship ain't a personal relationship unless your personal relationship is public. Y'all know that, right? I got a personal relationship with God. Well, I need to be able to see it. And if I don't see it, it ain't a personal relationship. Because he says, if you seek me in secret, I'm going to reward you where? I want, I'm going to make folk know that you've been seeking me. There's no way around that. You don't have to tell people you got a personal relationship when you got a personal relationship. It just comes out. You go to church, don't you? You're a preacher, ain't it? I knew it. I picked it up in your voice. Some told me. Amen. What I want to point out, and I'm going to close after this last one. I'm, I'm almost done. I just want to clear some confusion and get us back on some solid foundation. Amen. So we can know where we are. And, and we, don't, we got to understand, we don't have to fight this battle with a chip on our shoulder. This is what I failed at in my early years in ministry. I felt like if I was going to have to fight, I had to be angry at who I was fighting. But God says the power is in loving who you're fighting. By my stripes you were, I let you whoop me so your, your whips is actually what heals you. And you hit me and I didn't hit you back. I still died for you and actually is going to save your life. Glory be to God. I, I, I've learned better the ways of Jesus. I learned that I pray for those that hate me and, 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 that, I, and that I reach out for and I cry out on the floor for those that are calling me everything but a child of the living God. I've learned that that is the actual power of God if they don't cut me they can't be healed by my ministry hello that's why we can't just blow off hit them on the right cheek and you don't turn your left cheek no you gotta learn because some of the people in your life that are coming against you are a Saul that's gonna be your Paul y'all ain't hear what I'm saying up in here there's some people that are attacking you that are actually gonna have your back more than the people that are Throw your tomatoes. God bless your soul. I don't want your blessing. Well, I'll bless you without telling you I'm blessing you. 
That's how we fight. There's a reason why Martin Luther King had so much authority. How? It was founded on something. He is willing to be whipped by his opposers. Beaten by those who hated him where they couldn't, after they beat him, they realized I've been hating this man and I beat him and I see the marks on him and he's still looking me in my eyes and say, there's going to be a day where blacks can sit with whites and whites can, and my black eye is from you. And I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where I can sit next to you and you can sit next to me and I can pass you a drink and you can pass me. That's authority. I didn't know how to fight like that. And the only reason why we can sit in this church today because a man was willing to be beaten like Jesus. Malcolm X didn't give us this. Don't get it twisted. And I don't want to put my name on it. I know he's a man and he's a, a pillar. I don't, I'm not going to say any more about that. But don't get it twisted. The rights we got wasn't because of his work. The reason why we're still so mad is because of his work. You ever think about stuff like that? At some point, we got to let go of the fist and open the palm. Some point, man. Come on, man. Some point, man. The fight is over. I'm not fighting you no more. I know how to fight. I know how to do it. I did it for years, but I'm, I'm, I'm not swinging no more. Because I figured out God's power flows from that. You got to be hurt sometimes to reach hurting people. ain't a time for us to be marching. This is a time for us to be buying the police dinner. This is a time for us to be sending them care packages. We don't like that because we're still like this. Listen to this. I'm going to point this out and I'm closing. I'm going to point this out and I'm closing. I thought I knew how to fight, but I didn't know how to fight. I thought I did. See, I, I, I knew if the devil reared his head, I knew how to give him a two-piece a two quick. Pow, pow. I knew how to cut the head of a serpent in a minute. I knew the sword well. And I thought that was fighting, but I figured out the more that I cut, God, the more that I ran off the enemy, I just wasn't cutting tear. I was cutting wheat. There was some stuff that had to grow together that at the time I didn't know needed to grow together. And even though I didn't agree with it, and even though I knew it was detrimental, I needed to now sit back and say, I'm going to give you some leash. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back my hand because there's something that has to grow. Sometimes the evil and the good have to grow together. 
It's the wisdom of God. It ain't because I'm scared. People, I'm not scared of people. And I don't even, I don't even care if people don't believe. I ain't got to prove that. It's the wisdom of God. Watch this. And and I'm closing. This is it. What I want to point out is the idol of the enemy has influenced us to make out of love. And I'm closing. There's more I want to say, but I'm just going to stop right here and this will be enough. The enemy has caused us to make an idol out of love. Amen. If there's one thing the enemy wants us to have his idea about, it's it's his idea of love. The enemy's idolatric idea of love is a love that doesn't judge. That if you love me, you wouldn't judge me. That's a lie. That is so far from the truth. You bring so much judgment. You, that, that, that's why people don't come to church no more because people want to be loved. You cannot have love without judgment and you can't have judgment without love. Judgment and love are not even two separate things. I want to put you on a solid foundation today because love, love is not compromise. Love is not seeing you about to kill yourself. It's one thing that if I let you commit suicide, it's another thing if I let you to commit eternal suicide because I love you. It's one thing to get locked up for 20 years. Man, at least in 20 years, you get to come out. But when you go to hell after a million years, burning and being ate by worms, after a million years, you're not one second closer to getting out than you were a million years ago because it never ends. And you're going to tell me that's love? And you're going to tell me to doubt believing that? That God don't mean that? Amen? When, when we talk about judgment and people rebut the reality of judgment with the idea of love... They're lying with a lie they got from the father of lies. I want to show you this and we close it. First John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, and I'm done. First John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Thank you, Jesus. You can't separate love and judgment. If you know that to be true, I need you to say we can't separate. Love and judgment. First John 4, verse 16 and 17. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Watch this. God is what? And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth where? And God in him. Now watch love, the relationship between love and judgment. Herein is our love made that we may have boldness in the day of Because as he is, so are we. And the the purpose of love is actually to prepare us for judgment. You can't love me and still speak judgment. The whole purpose of love is to get you to the place when judgment comes. You can't separate the two unless you've never read the book that's purpose to tell you whether or not you have eternal life. 
people who sit there and say, no, you don't love me. You stop. Get that judgment out of here. That ain't love. Though You need no other evidence. They do not have eternal life. No other evidence. Why? Because the only perfect love casts out the fear of judgment. Don't fear him who can kill the body. And after that can do nothing but fear him who after destroying the body can cast the soul where? My whole hashtag was black lives matter, but black souls matter more. You know what was said? That's foolishness. That's stupid. That's slave mentality. Why? Because you don't read the scripture. Why? Because you don't value it enough to know that whether you have eternal life. Your soul is much more valuable than your life will ever be. I, look here. It is a tragedy what happened to George Floyd. Should no man be subjected to being tied, hands tied and suffocated. But at the end of the day, don't fear a white policeman who can destroy your body and after that can do nothing but fear him who after that body is destroyed is either going to take your soul and place it in the kingdom or take your soul and place it you fear him but you know what ends that fear but perfect love cast out all fear you know why because fear hath included torment no, 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 no. I'm not going to be tormented. I'm no, 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 no. I've, I've entered into a measure of love where I don't need to think about hell to do the right thing. I want him so bad. I'm going to always do the right thing. I need him so much. I'm going to always serve him. I don't need fire to get me up in the morning. I got a fiery tongue that gets me up in the morning. I don't need hell to motivate me to obey God. I love him too much not to obey God. At some point, hell has to stop being the motivation. But perfect love. And you hear people say, I don't want to go to hell, I don't want to go to hell. When are you going to grow up? I'll be in church every day for the rest of my life. I'll preach until God tells me to stop preaching. I'll get up every morning and pray. I'll stay faithful to my wife. I will live to be an example to my children. I'll pray over my family. I will not commit adultery. I will not commit fornication. I will not covet my brother's stuff. I won't do any of those things. And it has nothing to do, glory be to God, with hell and has everything to do with I will not have any other God before him. Glory be to God. There will be no other idea in my mind but the idea that I sin is the worship of another God. I'll never worship another God. Not voluntarily. I wish I had time to define sin because we all sin. We sin on accident. No, sin is the transgression of the law. That's his definition. There are sins and there's trespasses. Sins and sin is the transgression of the. That's when I know it's wrong and I do it anyway. Have you ever trespassed on somebody's land and you didn't know it? You was walking, and you accidentally stepped on their land. They came out. Hey, get off my property! That's trespass. It's like, oh, I didn't know it was wrong. Okay, let me move. 
See, when you're saved, you don't sin. And then when you trespass, all God got to say is, that's too far. Go back. And you move. You went too far. We all sin. We all go. No, no, that's trespass. But there's one thing I ain't going to do. I'm not going to sin. Sin is the transgression of the Amen. Anybody ever trespassed before? Say, you better move up out of there. And it's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look here. God ain't got to holler at you when you love him. You mess around and trespass in your marriage. If you ain't never trespassed, and I ain't no punk. But I know when I done trespassed. He said, you went too far. Man, I get baby, baby, please, please. Baby, baby, please, please. Baby, baby, please. I was sorry. I know I, it was too much, you know. It was too much. I was over the top, you know. You get all proper and stuff then. It's like, the Lord, you done went back to your office because you think, you know, you done been a man. Shoot. You mess up with me like that. Shoot. Shoot. I'm a man. Sit down in your office and God start whooping you. Five minutes later, it don't even take long. Look, if you really love, it don't even take long. I ain't even gonna wrestle with it. Five minutes later, you know what? You was right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My God. That's what love will do. You don't got to worry about having ongoing problems in your marriage when you love God. You ain't going to hold on to oughts. You ain't going to value being right more than being, in, in, being intimate. If me being right is going to cost us our intimacy, then I will lay down being right. That's when you love God. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to stop right there. I got a whole bunch of stuff, but I just say this about love. Love does not reject judgment. Love's purpose is to take away the fear of the coming judgment. Here is our love made perfect that you may have boldness in the day of judgment. Anybody that separates love from judgment does not know love. And love is not a feeling. Love is a man named Jesus. Do not be fooled. Do not be bamboozled. I know it's a lot of ideas being thrown around, and I know it's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff. But I'm telling you right now, if a man dies in his sin, glory be to God. If a woman dies in their sin, do you hear what I'm saying? If, if you're in sin and you die in that sin, as a man or woman, a boy or a girl, you will. God means what he says. He, what does that mean, parents? That means we got to get passionate about praying for our children to get saved. 
We got to be more passionate about that. We got to be more passionate about exposing them to the presence of God and truth and, and having them in church and having them in prayer and having them in environments. Why? Because, the, uh, and I'm going to deal with this with the man. The man's job isn't to get their children to love God. The man's job is to subject them. Have your entire house under subjection. You go to church whether you like it or not. My job ain't to make you love God. My job is to put you by the water until you learn to drink. Got to make you like church. I ain't my job, but you're going to come. I ain't got to make you listen, but you're going to act like you do. If I see it, why? Because guess what? That's what our parents did to who? Why are we in the kingdom right now? Because what we thought we didn't like, because they subjected us, something got in us. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying? Stop trying to make them like church and make them just come. We ain't a man if we can't subject our house. Hello? That's the next men's meeting. I want to get my, my children to love Jesus. No, you just subject them to Jesus. He'll take it from there. God, I feel like going up there. Everybody's standing to your feet. I'm close. I'm not going to say anything. Listen, listen. Listen. Our parents made us go to church when we wanted to and we didn't. When we felt like it and when we didn't feel like it. They made us sit up when we didn't want to sit up. Guess what we do now? We come to church when we feel like it and when we don't. We come to church when we want to and we don't. Can I get a witness up in here? Because God will bless our obedience. We don't have to fix them. All we got to do is obey. God will do what he needs to do. Listen. I want to pray today. I just want to pray for the soul that's been straying. For the soul that's had questions in these questionable times. Come on, some of you have had questions. Some of you have had some why. Some of you have, have wondered. Some of you have been hearing all the things that... There's never been a generation like this generation. There's never been a generation that's been pressured by so much information and so much gunk at all times. There was a time that if we wanted to look at derogatory things, we had to sneak a magazine. All they got to do is click a button. There was a time where there was only people who were grown that posed and took pictures. And now they take pictures and send them to each other. Amen. Some of it is because they have things that they're not mature enough to handle yet. And we have to deal with wisdom and let God deal with us on those things. Because they're not, they're not mature enough to do the right thing with it yet. Amen? 
Some of it is simply because they're in an information age where they're being flooded with stuff we didn't even get exposed to until we were 18, 19, 20, 22 years old. We had to get out of mama's house to do some of the things they can do right in their bedroom on their phones. But I want you to know right now, young people, no matter how time has changed, no matter what you do now that we didn't do then, there's one thing that has not changed, and that's the truth. The truth ain't changed. It's still the same thing. The wages of sin is still death, no matter how many people you see sinning. If our soul isn't saved, we're going to hell no matter how many people you know that are going to hell. His truth don't change. We, we got to start from there. We got to start from there. Is judgment the whole thing? No. But we got to know that. See, the mistake that we've made in the past, can I just talk for a minute, is we've made it all judgment and we didn't teach people how to live. We didn't teach people the, 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 the principles of life and how to express the kingdom in the earth. Everything was about what's going to happen when you die. And now a generation came up to say, well, what am I going to do while I'm still alive? We left that part up. No, we need judgment, but we cannot overemphasize that to keep our bags packed and act like we ain't going to be here for another 30, 40, 50 years. We can't just walk around with packed bags. Any minute, he might come and take us. Amen. We've lived like that, and it's caused us to lose a generation that wants to live. So we just told people, you got to get ready to die so they don't know how to stay married. We just told people, you got to get ready to die so nobody knows how to manage money. You just got to get ready when you die so nobody knows how to work through issues. He came that we might have life. And we have to deal with the whole thing. We have to deal with the whole thing. I just want to pray for anybody who's the cloud of confusion and the, informa the, over the overwhelming information. Cloud, Yabashotoba. Rinan, son. 